Hey, welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Glad you're with us. We're still in the middle of our Welcome Home series, and we're talking about worship and why it's a great big value for us in the impact world. You are a world-class worshiper. You were designed to worship, and you're very, very good at it. The question isn't, do you worship? It's, what are you worshiping? And you see, anything else that you worship will just lead to dissatisfaction and emptiness. But you know what? When you worship God, when you place yourself in the environment of worshiping God, there's a transformation that takes place in your world that is remarkable. So we're going to talk about worship worshiping God and putting him first and how that affects your world. So come on, let's get into the word. Lord, isn't he good? Isn't he good? Are you, are you, are you feeling Jesus today? Awesome. Uh, you know, we've got a, a book that we wrote. Some of you have been through it already because we use it for discipleship, but it's called Welcome Home. And uh, that's what our series is about right now. Ever since our grand opening, we've been doing a series called Welcome Home and talking about some values we have. And one of the values we talk about in the book is enjoy. There's seven verbs that are our core values for us and one of those things is enjoy it's worship it's joy it's being able to express ourselves to the lord and to enjoy his presence we didn't come to gather as a group of people we didn't gather to a building we didn't gather to family and friends our gathering was together unto him and we come to experience his presence and that's the biggest deal of it all isn't it did anybody feel his presence yet today i sure hope so because i tell you just like Stephen, i tell you i got a full-on tremble going on on the inside and it's wonderful to feel his presence. Isn't it an awkward thing to go to church and walk away and not be touched? I love the hymn writer said, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. I went to church and guess what? Something happened. And now I know he touched me. And he made me whole. Oh, you got to sit on you over there for a second. Hang tight. All right. All right. Who's that? Does anybody know who that is? Just take a guess. Take a, take a wild guess. It's not me. No. That's, that's Wayne Gretzky. It's Mr. 99. And anybody know who that is? That's, that's actually Mozart. Mozart. He, he wrote his first... Uh, he wrote his first orchestra when he was five years old, began to write music. Pretty incredible, eh? Wrote some amazing stuff. Later in life, he lost his hearing. He tore the legs off his piano, put it on the ground, and he would, he would write his orchestras laying on the ground, feeling the vibrations of the keys, and he would pound the keys, and he wrote some of his best material, and he couldn't even hear it. And amazing, amazing artist. So we would call those people prodigies. A prodigy. So a prodigy is a person, especially even a child or a young person, who has extraordinary talent or ability. Extraordinary talent. I want you to know that every one of you are actually prodigies. Every one of you are absolutely brilliant, and you're created in a unique and special way. Matthew 21, 16, it says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, he has perfected praise. A prodigy is someone who can, in a field or in a realm or in an area, just excel at something in such a way they can take it to a new level. And they're just really perfect at something. You are perfect at something, and you were created for something, and you are a prodigy. Now listen, worship is not a Christian thing. Worship is a human thing. Everybody worships. It just depends what do they worship, but you were created to worship, and right from birth, you are really, really good 
at worship. You are a prodigy in the realm of worship, and you excel at doing worship. So you're designed for it, and you are world-class. The question isn't, can you worship? The question is, what are you worshiping? Have you developed skill in the realm of worship, and do you use that? So if you follow your time, if you uh, follow your time, I had somebody come to me once, I'm so busy, I just, I just can't fit anything else in my life, I'm so busy, and, and can you, you know, give me some direction, Pastor? I said, sure, first of all, would you write down next week, I want you to mark down in a calendar every hour what it is you're doing, and let's just find out what it is you're doing with your time so that we can figure out what's happening with it, because it says, it says, redeem the time, for the days are evil, so time's a precious commodity, so they came back and they didn't bring a calendar with them. They were actually embarrassed because they said, when I started to take track of it, when I started to keep score with my time, I'm not that busy at all. I waste a lot of time. It's this sad thing in this world. Everybody keeps on saying, I'm so busy. You know, we need to sometimes squeeze out and figure it out what's going on with our time. Because if you follow your time and you follow your treasure, you're going to find out what it is that you worship. Billy Graham said, a checkbook is a theological document. It's a document that manifests what it is that you worship. It's a theological document. So figure out where your time and your treasure is. You'll figure out what you worship because we're all worshipers. Every single one of us are worshipers. I lived on Clara Crescent when we first moved here, and uh, my son Dylan didn't like anybody. He, he likes some people now. But uh, pick it on him, he actually does. But, but Dylan just wouldn't go to anybody. He would come to his parents, and that was it. He just, he, if we went to hand them to anybody, even if he got to them, he'd be hands in their face, feet in their bellies, just kicking away. He just didn't even want to be touched. We finally found a girl on our street who kind of made friends with him at the park and something. He seemed to like this girl. So we paid this girl to come to church with us on Sundays because we were so busy. But it was, it was just bizarre because he would never hang out with anyone. So the reason I'm telling that story is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it may come back to me. The connection was real, and the connection was there. So, so uh, Matthew 4.10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You shall worship the lone. I mean, the, the devil really offered Jesus his destiny. The devil offered Jesus a shortcut because everything was his. And you see, he had to go through this process to redeem everything as a man. But the devil said, I'll give you a shortcut. If you bound, bound to me, I'll give you the whole thing. And the reason the devil could give it to him was because the devil did own it because a man had lost it. And so he said, tell you what, Jesus, I'll give it all to you. You bow down to me and you can bypass all the nonsense that you're supposed to go through. But Jesus said, you know what, Satan? It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. That means that you are serving what you worship. So whatever you're serving is what you worship. I remember now. Thank you very much. Well, this gal... I always saw her and her sister and her mom at the bus stop in the middle of the winter, any old time of day. They were at the bus stop going places. Their dad got picked up. He worked at Ford, which used to be down there in Talbotville, got picked up by a van, and they all went down. And I was like, wow, this family doesn't have a car. And then all of a sudden, the summer came around, and I saw something was covered up in the garage, and it would get pushed out every once in a while. It would get waxed up and cleaned and pushed back in the garage. And... Her dad owned a Corvette, an old classic Corvette, and he totally restored it and kept it. And they had a car, 
but their dad worshipped it, and the family had to walk, and the family had to take the bus, because dad worshipped the Corvette in the garage, spent all kinds of time polishing it, keeping it clean, and everybody took the bus because we're all serving dad's need to have a classic restored Corvette. That's why I told that story. It's amazing what you'll serve. It's amazing how you'll rearrange your whole life when something becomes incredibly precious to you. But we are called to worship God, and we are called to be servants of the Most High God. You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only. Say only. Him only shall you serve. Worship. The word worship in the Greek is prokineo. Prokineo, and it's a compound word, two things. Pro means towards something, and kineo means to kiss. So worship is literally to kiss towards something. It also says in the, the Greek dictionary, it's like a dog licking his master's hand. Now, our little dog, Coco, worships my wife. It's unbelievable. She, when Cheryl leaves, she's like, ooh, she whines when she's at the door. She follows her. She runs to the window. She paws on the window, and then Cheryl leaves, and then she sits down. She just, she just worships, and then when she comes back, my goodness, she jumps, spins, does flip-flops, all kinds of things, because she totally worships Cheryl. I locked her in the trunk one day, left her there for hours. And we open it up, and she still worships Cheryl. didn't matter what I did. She's totally... Worship, the dictionary says, worship is to be devoted to and full of admiration for, to have or to express feelings of profound adoration. Worship. Worship is a response to what we value most. So worship, we are designed to worship. We are designed to express ourselves. We are designed to express value. John chapter 4, Jesus talking with the Samaritan woman, he said, the hour is coming and now is. Say now is. The hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such wor to worship Him. What's God looking for? God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers. So God's looking for worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. In spirit, in reality. In absolute reality, with all truthfulness, we are to worship and we are to serve and in the Spirit worship God. So God is Spirit. Without Him, without being born from above, you are spiritually dead and you can't even experience the fulfillment of your whole purpose and destiny if you don't experience what it is to be reconciled with your Father so you can express worship to God. We are called to worship Him. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for those who will worship Him in Spirit and in truth. What is God after? George and the team sang that song today. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. And you see, God says, these people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is so far from me, and in vain they worship me. There can be vain worship. There can be worship that is vanity. It might be songs about God, but what is being done is not even registering to God because it's lips and mouths, but there's no heart connection to it. You know, that song was written by Matt Redman. Anybody remember Matt Redman? Matty Redman, he's a, a fellow from England, and his, uh, his pastor was a guy named Mike Pilavachi. 
And I was at a worship conference, oh wow, it's about 15 years ago now in Kitchener, and it was the first time I heard that song, and Matt was there and he sang that song. I was like, wow, that's a deep song. That was really touching. And his, his pastor, uh, Mike Pilavachi, funny, funny guy, oh my goodness, just and such a teacher of the word. But his pastor was there with him, and then his pastor got up and he says, you know, Matt wrote that song last year. He says, last year I fired the whole worship team. I kicked them all out. I said, I don't want you guys singing at all. And nobody sang. There was no worship. Just Mr. Pilavachi got up and he taught on worship for three months without any songs being sung. And then when it was done, Matt's first song that he sang when he got back up on worship, he said, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. He said, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Matt had become really popular. He'd recorded all kinds of albums and and uh, Mike was watching the worship teams and they got so deep into how technical it was or this or that and all kinds of other stuff. And he says, dude, you guys have forgotten that worship isn't about, I'll play the spoons if I have to. Worship isn't about all that, it's about the heart. Everything else should be done wonderfully. We should all do it skillfully. But you know what, if our heart isn't in it, as God says, they worship me in vain. So worship's a powerful thing. And we, we're, we got worship down pretty good around here, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's something that we, we say welcome home because worship is a high value for us. It really is. Some people are like, well, they go on a bit long with that singing and stuff. I wanted to go a whole lot longer today, didn't you? I mean, when you get there, what else is there? You know, it's like, man, I mean, I'm right at the throne face to face with God, trembling in his presence, feeling radiated with his glory. What else is there? You know, it's a shame I had to interrupt it with a sermon. But anyways, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Ephesians 5, Colossians also says, let the word of God dwell in you richly and sing. It says, let the word of God dwell in you richly and sing. Here it says in Ephesians, it says, ever be filled, stimulated, be controlled by every moment of your life. Be absolutely controlled by the spirit of God. Now, when I say God's in control, God's control looks a lot like love. And I always tell people, God's not in control, he's in love. He's in love. But we are to be moved by, animated by only the Spirit of God. But I love the next thing. It says, and speak. Speak out to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise with voices and instruments and making melody with all your heart. Say, with all your heart. With all your heart. Make melody with all your heart unto God. Psalm 81.1 says to the chief musician on an instrument of gath, to the chief musician from an instrument of Gath. David was over there with the Philistines and he watched the guy rocking out on a, uh, on a Les Paul. David said, dude, I'm taking one of those home. That'll be really good in the worship service. David saw an instrument in, see, nothing, there's no such thing as an evil instrument. Everything that's created is to bring glory and wonder to God. When I was a kid, they said, you shouldn't have drums in the church. Those are used to summon demons to come. And I'm like, it's just rubbish. We don't need electric guitars, all that noise. I tell you, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything that is created, there's nothing created that he didn't create and is created for him and to give him honor and give him glory. Even that instrument David found in Gath, even that Philistine six-string guitar, 
He found that. He said, I found it. Now sing aloud to God with our strength. Make a joyful shout to God, the God of David. The guitar is called the gatith. It's a gatith, and it's a stringed instrument that David found or he got from Gath. Habakkuk 3.1. Habakkuk 3.1 says, this is a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on a Shiganoth. Say Shiganoth. Excuse me. Shiganoth. This is right there. You look at your Bible, and, and some Bibles don't have the headings or the introductions. Good ones do. But this is a prayer on Shiganoth. So I don't know if you see a word Shiganoth, how many want to know, what is a Shiganoth? If I'm supposed to pray, and the prophet says, this is a prayer on Shiganoth. Well, I'd like to know what that is. So a prayer on Shiganoth, the Amplified Bible says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. You know what Shiganoth is? It's wild, enthusiastic, triumphant music. So when I pray this prayer, I want this prayer to have the drums, the guitars, everything jacked, because this prayer is not going to be one of those, oh, Father, we come. It's going to be one of these, oh, Father, we come to you. Oh, Father, this prayer is a wild, enthusiastic prayer. I'm just, how many like traditional worship? Traditional worship is biblical worship. We're talking about biblical worship today. The, uh, psalm chapter 7, the title of Psalm chapter 7, it's right there in the title, says this psalm is a shiganoth and it's to be to wild, irregular enthusiastic strain I don't know about you but look up the word wild look up irregular and look up enthusiastic strain that's how you do Psalm 7 the guy who wrote Psalm 7 said here's how you play this one and if the Bible lays something out and says here's how you do it just get her done hello all right Seven elements of music. Are you ready? Seven elements of music, and none of these are evil. They're just, it is what it is. There are some traditions who said, you know, the only instrument should be the organ. There's some who said you shouldn't have any instruments at all. It should just be voices. And, and everybody thought they'd figure out what it was God intended when the Word of God already laid out what God intended. So we like traditional worship. Worship, very simple. It has a melody, a series of tones. It has a harmony, could be two or more tones. has rhythm, there's a measure, there's beats, there's dynamics, there's volume and properties. See, here we have volume. We have volume at Impact Church. There's three levels of volume at Impact Church. There's loud, there's really loud, and there's ear-bleeding noise. So I don't know if you've noticed that, but... And I didn't know it was that loud until people started coming and telling me because I just... Uh, for 32 years, that's all we've really done. And uh, so anyways, there's dynamics. And dynamics are neither right, wrong, good, bad. They're just, they're just dynamics. There's form. There's an arrangement. There's an effect. Uh, there's text. There's words. There's a message. But there's also performance. It's then it's sung. It's played. And the Bible says you should play skillfully on your instrument. Sing skillfully to the Lord. So these are seven basic elements of music. And none of these in themselves is holy or evil. They're all just what they are. It's just like, have you ever walked down a sidewalk? Has anybody walked on a sidewalk? Anyone? How many are not going to put your hand up no matter what? Right. So... If you're walking on a sidewalk, have you ever walked on an evil sidewalk? Anybody? Have you walked on a holy sidewalk? Have you, have you, the sidewalk is just a sidewalk. It's just poured concrete. That's all it is. 
See, if there's something evil going on that sidewalk, it's not the sidewalk itself. It's the people who use it or it's, it's what's being done or where it goes or who travels there. But a sidewalk is absolutely neutral. How many have ever uh, gone into an evil fridge? You open the fridge and evil. Fridges are just fridges. You can keep beer in there or you can keep uh, Pop-Tarts. Oh, Pop-Tarts in a fridge. <laughs> Ah, so anyway, it's, it's just a fridge. But you see, music is, is just a vehicle. It carries things. But we love music because our music carries us. It carries us in worship and devotion, and we intentionally make our worship about God. But you know what? If I got a lovely love song, you know, everybody here is out of sight. I like that song. I hear that song, I want to dance with my wife. It's not an evil song. And if I want to take that song and dance with my wife, it's not evil. How many listen every once in a while to the odd secular song? You know, but I'm in the car and I'm listening to the radio and all it says, running with the devil. I usually turn that one off. I'm really not running with the devil. So sometimes it's just music, but sometimes it's stupid. And sometimes, boom, 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 got my baby. Uh, uh, uh. You know, that's just music, but uh, yeah, there's times I turn that off too. Even though I like a boom, boom, I like some boom, boom, but anyways, uh, it's just music, you know what I mean? The top schools in America all place great emphasis on music. The top schools in America all place a great emphasis on music. Hungary, Japan, and the Netherlands are the top academic nations in the world. And in their schools, they place great emphasis on music education and participation in music. Napoleon said, give me control over who shapes the music of a nation, and I care not who makes the laws. Because music is powerful. It's powerful. Powerful stuff. The Pentagon, Pentagon School of Music, it takes 15 months of instruction to produce a band leader. 15 months, I mean, how long do you have to go? I don't know, 15 months, to, I don't know, there's got to be a whole lot more to it than just that, because it takes the Pentagon School of Music 15 months to produce a band leader. By contrast, the Air Force can make you a fighter pilot in 13. Music has an incredible value because music is very powerful. Albert Einstein's, his parents were told that he was too stupid to learn. They said, honestly, you should just take him out of school. He is too stupid to learn. Can I get an amen? So they said, well, that's not a problem. We'll teach him ourselves. So you know what the first thing they did when they heard that? They went and bought him a violin. They bought him a violin. Uh, G.J. Withrow is somebody who worked with Einstein all of his life, did a lot of things with him, and he wrote a biography. But he said the way Einstein figured out his problems and equations was by improvising on the violin. Music can change things, shift things. Music is a very creative thing. And literally, Einstein was too much of a genius for that teacher. But when he got his violin, there were things that as he would play and as he would improvise on his violin, things would take place in his mind and he would see things. And it's amazing the power that's involved in music. And God created it that way. There's incredible power in music. There's incredible power in worship. And God's not saying worship me because he's got an ego problem and he's insecure. Worship me, I say. I'm having a bad day. Give me praise. God's not having a bad day. He doesn't need anything. 
but you need to understand, and he created you to worship, and you need to understand the power of worship and how it can shift things in your world. Martin Luther, the great reformer. By the way, uh, October 31st is Hallowed Eve, and it's Hallowed Eve before All Saints Day. But October 31st is also, it's the day that Martin Luther knocked his 95-point thesis on the church at Gutenberg, and it's the day that the Reformation began. So happy Reformation Day. I mean, who cares? Why would I let the devil, you know, take over all the nonsense? Don't be afraid of the Hallowed Eve. It's a celebration of God movement in the earth and the world being flooded and filled with all saints. So don't get weirded out about it and let people make you crazy. All right, here's what Luther said. He said, the devil takes flight at the sound of music just as he does at words of theology. After theology, I give the highest place and the greatest honor to music. So how do I praise the Lord? How do I praise the Lord? Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say praise Say praise. praise. There's over 30 words that are translated from the Hebrew into the English word praise. And all those words are all translated praise. Just like love, there's five words for love in the Greek, and we just use love. But Jesus interchanged them. Uh, they were used in the Bible in different ways. But there's very expressive languages and very expressive worship language in Hebrew. So how do I praise the Lord? Here's the first word. It's halal. Halal. Just when we say hallelujah, it's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So you're actually speaking a bit of Hebrew every time you say hallelujah. You're speaking Hebrew. It's not even an English word. It comes from the word halal. But the word halal means to rave, to boast, and to celebrate. You can't rave about somebody you don't know. I could tell you about Frank Warburton today, what a brilliant man he was, what an amazing musician he was, what an incredible preacher and writer he was. And I can do that because I know him, because Frank Warburton was my grandfather. And I can specifically, just when I say those things, memories come back to me of him playing and his music. And I've, I've got all kinds of his sermons on shelves at home and I read them and I go like, gosh, this guy was smart. But you don't know him, you can't praise him. It's pretty hard to rave and boast about someone you don't know. But you know, the more you get to know, and that's why the Apostle Paul so often said, or don't you know, don't you know? He said, oh God, I pray, here's the prayer of Paul, that they would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, that they would know the peace, that they would know. Oh, he wants you to know, because when you start to know, it just unpacks a language of worship in your life. So halal is to rave and to boast. Psalm 22, 26 says, they who seek the Lord will halal him. They who seek the Lord, you're going to seek him, you're going to find him, you're going to learn about him, and you're going to boast. Whoa! God's awesome. Thank you very much. Then there's yada. Say yada. Yada is to acknowledge in public, to acknowledge in public, to boast about and acknowledge in public. And that's Psalm 138 says, I will yada you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will boast in public about you with all my heart. Praise the Lord. See, we just say praise, but there's so much more. Then there's Barak. And Barak means to bless by kneeling or bowing. Psalm 103 says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. But praise the Lord is Barak. Bless the Lord by kneeling. Bless him. Come before him. Kneel and bow before him. Bless the Lord. Then there's Tehillah, which is different from Tequila. 
But you see, it's Helah. So you see Helah. Helah is to boast. But then there's T-E in front, and T-E is an intensifier. So when you see the addition of that prefix, T-E, that takes that word and says, you know where you boast about God? Don't just boast about him. Boast about him! It's where you take the Helah and you make it big. Tehillah is exuberant singing. I will extol the Lord at all times. His Tehillah will always be in, oh, on my lips. Whew, I almost choked myself right there. <laughs> Psalm 98 verse 4 says, Shout joyfully. Ruah. Shout joyfully. Ruah. Ruah to the Lord of all the earth. Break forth into song. Ruah and sing. Zamar, sing. Zamar, sing praises to God. There's Ruah to shout and to give a blast, a war cry. Can I get a war cry? That'd make me run. <laughs> Ruah, to shout, give a blast, a war cry, a joy, a triumph, Zamar, to sing. I mean, man, there's a, there's a lot of really busy stuff. Shabak. Shabak is another word to address in a loud tone, to shout. Tauda, to lift your hands in adoration. Both of these right out of Psalm 63. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because you know what? Your love is better than life. And the revelation of that, oh, it makes me want to shabak. It makes me want to address you in a loud tone, makes me want to shout. As long as I live and in your name, I will put, I will lift up my hands. Then there's one of my favorites is Gil. Gil, and this is translated as rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Here's Gil. Gil means to spin around under the influence of any violent emotion. Did you see that person dancing around the church? They left their chair and started to dance around the church. How weird was that? Well, that actually is biblical. That's where you spin around. Gil, it says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will gil. I will. Ah! Well, that was weird. I like those nice, quiet churches, you know, where everybody sits in their chair and does as they're told. Well, you know, the Bible says, come on, this is the day the Lord has made. What are you going to do? I'm going to gill, and I'm going to be glad in it. So why should I praise the Lord? There, there, I could have gone, there's 30 more words we could have pulled out, and they're all pretty expressive. So it's okay to get loud and get busy. And, and I like everything to be a little bit loud so that you can get loud without feeling awkward. It's awkward when there's a quiet service going on, and all of a sudden you go, I love you! Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. It, it's good. So when it's loud, you don't mind. You can lift your voice up. Nobody's going to bother because nobody can hear you anyways. You know? Why should I praise the Lord? Psalm 106 says, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to God for he is good. You know, give thanks to God because he is good. And you know what else? His mercy. How many need mercy every once in a while? I, I could use mercy a lot. I thank God it doesn't say his judgment is for every generation, but it says his mercy endures forever. I love the Bible verse that says God delights. He's really happy when he has to show mercy. 
I like to make God happy all the time. Praise the Lord. He is good. Praise him for all the good things he's done. Praise him for his faithfulness and for his mercy. Second Chronicles 20, verse 21 and 22. Those who should sing to the Lord, they went out before the army and they began to sing and to praise. And the Lord said, ambushes, ambushes, ambushes. It's even stronger than ambushes. It's ambushes. Against the people of Ammon, Seir, and Mount. And the three nations came and surrounded the people of God. And King Jehoshaphat said, Lord, <laughs> there's a little, little bit happening at our doorstep, but you know what? We trust you. And God didn't tell them to do this. A lot of people think God said, put the worshipers first. You read it. There's nowhere God said to do that. They did this themselves. I mean, Jehoshaphat said, you know, we're going to go out to battle these folks today, but instead of the army and the chariots and all that going first, you guys, worship team, we're going to put you in front of them, and the first thing to encounter their swords will be the timbrel of the dancers and the trumpet players. And they're like, what? But he said, this seems like a good idea. And that's what they did. They said, you know what? This seems like an impossible situation. So here's how we're going to handle it. We're going to put the worship team out there first. We're just going to go with them. And we're just going to say, Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. And that's what they did. And when they did that, ba-boom. Ba-boom. All those guys turned on themselves. They won a great, I just love it. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and they were all defeated, and the Lord won a great victory that day. When you put a high value on praise and a high value on worship, you're going to live in a realm of constant, continuous victory and joy. Can I get an amen? When you surround yourself with praise that glorifies God, we surround ourselves with praise that glorifies God, we are actively putting ourselves into the very manifest presence of God, and God literally lifts us up and changes both us, others, and our circumstances. When you praise the Lord, something will shift in your world. When you align your circumstances with the greatness of God, when you introduce the mountain in your life to the vastness of your God and his love for you, it will melt like wax, it will disappear, it will implode before you because when God is exalted, all of his enemies flee. Amen, it's a true story, true story. So it changes you. The interesting thing is if you study music itself, but then if you study worship, I mean, it's amazing. You study choirs. When choirs start to sing, they put monitors on choirs. And when choirs start to sing, literally, as they're singing, their hearts are beating as absolute one. Their hearts start to beat as one as they're singing. Thunk, 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 thunk. It's incredible. You see, things happen to you physically, uh, uh, psychologically, every area. When we're singing to God, things are taking place in our bodies, physically, mentally, and emotionally. They found that physically, if you rejoice, if you sing, if you give God praise, if you worship, uh, Lillian Yeomans has all kinds of books about healing, and she, she talks about when she was Indian, somebody uh, got the, uh, not the plague, but the smallpox, and they said, this person is going to die. This person going to die. And she said to Lily and the Omas, don't you worry about it. I'm just going to give thanksgiving to God. She every day gave thanks to God, gave thanks to God, gave thanks to God. She overcame the smallpox and she lived. And her strategy was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Giving thanks to God has transformative power in your life. So it mentally, literally, like you look at, uh, you look at Einstein playing his violin. I'm telling you, when you, you use music and you, you do it intentionally, it's going to make you smart and it's going to shift your attitude and it's going to change you emotionally. So music can rearrange your whole inner world. And you know who designed it that way? God designed you. You are a prodigy. God designed you to be excellent. As, as, when you were born as an infant, he perfected praise 
days in infants. You were designed to worship. You were designed to give God praise. And he did that specifically so you could constantly realign physically, mentally, and emotionally your life with the purpose of God. It's not a couple of songs. It's not a little bit of entertainment before the preacher. It's powerful stuff. And it's a big value here at Impact Church. David, they called David, and David was so anointed when he played and when he sang. And most of our, our whole revelation of why we do worship comes from the Davidic tabernacle. See, in David's tabernacle, there were no blood sacrifices. They had open access to the ark, and they never should have. Nobody got to come to the ark. And even the one guy once a year who got to go to the ark with the blood of the sacrifice, they put a rope around his neck or his, his foot because if the bell stopped ringing, they thought he was dead and they would pull him out. They were terrified of the presence of God but David obliterated all the obstacles he obliterated all all the things that hindered people and whether you're a woman or a man or a Jew or a Gentile didn't matter where you were from David's tabernacle everyone had access to the very presence of God the ark of the tabernacle the glory of God everyone had access to it and the only sacrifices were praise and worship which was continual 24 7 they praised before the ark of the covenant that's the pattern that comes through the cross. That's the new covenant pattern that David stepped into because he understood that the Lord is good. Every single one of those people should have died. But David said, I'm going to reach into the new covenant. I'm going to reach beyond the cross. And he pulled back a worship system in his day that God totally adored and loved. And that's why we get our pattern there. The only sacrifice in the New Testament is off your body is a living sacrifice. And then in Hebrews where it says, give him the fruit of your lips. Giving thanks. Those are the only sacrifices in the new covenant. Worship and praise totally transformed your life. But here's David. Saul had an evil spirit. I mean, God rejected him. The anointing was lifted off him, and he had an evil spirit that would torment him. But when David would come and play his harp and sing the songs of Zion, when David would do that, it says he was refreshed and made well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. There's something powerful when there's anointed praise and worship being sung. So it changes you. It literally changes every aspect of your life. If you're having a bad day, praise the Lord. If you're going through a hard time, praise the Lord. Give thanks to God no matter what's happening because God will ma manifest himself powerly, powerfully in your situation. Colossians says, teach each other with admonish one another. Admonish, that's a strong word, isn't it? Teach and admonish one another. How? With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Did you know that singing and worshiping, we're literally teaching each other. We're, we're ministering to each other. We're aligning each other with God's purpose. We're bringing ourselves in alignment with the mind and the heart of God. He says, now teach each other. Teach with psalms and with hymns and with spiritual songs unto the Lord. So your song, when you're singing, when you're even here at church, there's people who go like, man, when that lady's giving it, she's really given today and, and you know people are watching people are seeing and they they watch your lives they experience you i had somebody who came to this church because they worked with somebody from our church who prayed every day at lunch whenever they had lunch she would pray together and give thanks to god and she would watch they go oh my goodness she's a christian i can't believe i like a christian and was so disturbed that she was like i can't believe i really like this person <laughs> she's a christian but then she finally said where do you go to church said i go to impact church and she visited with another friend, came to Impact Church. Her name is written on the baptismal tank because she came, she came from a family that they hate Christians. Christians are the problem with the world. That's what her family thought. But you know what? She came, she accepted Jesus, she got water baptized, brought all of her family who hated Christians, and she signed the baptismal tank, and she was totally delivered and set free. And it's just amazing what God did in her life. 
And you know why that happened? That happened because somebody was worshiping God right there at work. Somebody was quietly expressing thanks to God for all I have, and that person giving thanks to God for all they had. It spilled over their life, and it transformed their fellow worker. And she signed the baptismal tank, following Jesus every day. Hey, please settle down. Singing changes your song, your life, your worship is an expression that brings transformation to others. It'll change your circumstances. I love this one right here. It says in Acts chapter uh, 16, 26, 20, 25, 26. Remember that when Paul and Silas got arrested and they were taken and put in stocks and they were in the deepest prison, their deepest parts. You know what's at the bottom of their prisons? That's where the poo-poo and the caca and the urine flows. That's where the rats are. And they were in stocks in the worst place of that prison. And you know what they said? You know, even though we're locked in here, you know what? He's faithful. He's an everlasting father. He's good to us. Isn't he good to us? His mercy is fantastic. They started talking about God, and all of a sudden their conversation turned into a song. And they started to sing. It says they started to sing hymns. They began to sing hymns to God. Prisoners were listening. We sang a bit of a hymn today. Did you notice that? We sang amazing grace. How sweet the sound. We sang that. They were singing hymns to God. Prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, and immediately doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. What's amazing about that is their song didn't just change their circumstances. It changed the circumstances of everyone who was imprisoned with them. And then the jailer came, and he said, oh, no, you've escaped, and he was going to kill himself. said, don't do that. Don't be ridiculous. Told him about Jesus. He got saved. His whole family got saved. They got the baptismal tank out, and everybody got baptized that day. So them singing in the worst experience, in the darkest period, in the midnight of their life, they said, praise God. And everything was shaking. It got so exciting. When they said praise God, started singing, God was like, he started tapping his foot so hard the earth shook beneath his feet. Do you, you want to know what hymn they were singing? What a fellowship. Hold it, hold it. Come on. Keep it up now. Keep it up now. Clap to the left, clap to the right, clapping high, clapping low, clap, 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 clap. What a fellowship, what a joy divine leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm leaning, I'm leaning, I'm safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, I'm leaning, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. All right, settle down, settle down. It's, it's amazing what can happen when you can sing a hymn and life can move and life can shake. How many feel better just doing that little bit? How many go, my God, when's he going to quit? When's he going to shut up? But then you went, ooh, a little song intermission. I'm wrapping up right now. Praise overcomes your preferences. When you feel like, I don't feel like it right now, I tell you, praise overcomes your preference. When you prefer to whine and complain about your circumstance, praise overcomes your preference. Don't declare the problem. Introduce it to a great God. Suddenly, this will happen in your life. Amen. 
say praise and worship is a big value for us. It's something we want to do. It's something we want to do more. Like, if you look at the size of the speakers we put up, it's because we seriously want to do some damage to the kingdom of darkness. We want to see transformation. We want to see some happy stuff happen. We're going to find more ways to use our equipment, our setup, all that stuff, because you'll read in here in our welcome home, rejoicing, enjoying, joy, expressing heartfelt worship is a strong, strong value of Impact Church, and I want to say, welcome home. Welcome.